in a world. Ah, wait, wrong script. Oh yes, okay. Welcome to the Artificer's Portal, a place where our hosts, Andrew and Pat, talk with folks around the globe that make digital solutions to tabletop role-playing game problems. So jump in, buckle up, and hang on as we dive headfirst into the Artificer's Portal. The Artificer's Portal. The Artificer's... The, the, the Artificer's Portal. So, come on in. Uh, have a seat. Okay. Three, two, two, one. One. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were on time that time. I don't know. All right, I'm Pat. And I'm Andrew. Hey, Andrew, what did we do last time we were on the podcast? Last time we had Wolfgang Bauer from Cobalt Press, and actually it was a two-part series. We were talking a lot about what does the publishing industry look like when they have access to digital tools? Do books get better, or do we need something other than a book, or how do we deliver digital content? I think that's the big question that that we really were talking a lot about. That's right. You are talking about wikis a lot and different types of reference material that is is not books. And I think I remember you had mentioned something about, or it was along the lines of, wouldn't it be cool if the Midgard setting had a digital map, right? Isn't that what you said? Yeah, actually, that was a really interesting point in the conversation because Wolfgang had said when I asked him, hey, what if this Midgard setting that you created had its own little map and its own little wiki area where you could dive into different areas and explore rather than explore it through a linear book? What if you could explore it through uh, maybe a map or a, a series of hierarchical pages that you can kind of dive into and interlink between? And he was like, Part of that already exists, and I love it, but Cobalt Press makes no money from it. <laughs> it the, the map portion that you described exists. It's called midgardmap.cobaltpress.com. And I didn't even realize it. I hadn't even known. He and his team had built an entire map for their Midgard setting for their players to use for free. If you buy the, the Midgard setting, you, well, and actually if you don't even, you can go in there and look at all these cool things within the Midgard setting uh, at your own leisure, however you want to. And and I was thinking, what if more books had something like that, where they had their own wiki or their own sort of map that could interlink between different areas and provide more information rather than a linear book. And then I realized our friend Braden Herndon is doing something just like that. That was that cat that you introduced me to at PAX Unplugged last year, right? We talked with him then, and uh, he is building Legend Keeper, which is essentially just what Wolfgang was talking about, but allows you to build it for anything that you want, your own world, in fact. Currently, it's available to yourself and anybody that you invite to collaborate with you. But my thinking is like, what if that was purchasable or able to be handed over to somebody else? What if I created my entire campaign setting and world and I could then hand it to somebody else and say, this is what you know about the the world that you are now going to adventure in instead of handing them a 300 page book. Yeah. And after talking to Braden at PaxU, he had given us access to uh, Legend Keeper and I started using it, and that comment that I had had about uh, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings map in the front of the book being a pain, Legend Keeper actually handled that for me quite well in our Icewind Dale campaign, and I could put an Icewind Dale map up there, and then we could find out where all the places are and then dive into them. Yep, that's that's really cool. I think we should just fire up the portal and be on, with, on our way. Yeah, let's do that. So I think we're going off to somewhere north of Dallas. Hey, there was somebody was in here the other day and screwed something up. And we had to adjust the switches. So 
I'm going to flip this switch over here, Andrew. Can you reach over there and flip that one? It's out of my reach. Yep, yep, yep. It's, it's right here. All right. It was probably those kobolds. It's that, probably from Wolfgang. That's prob- they probably got, they're like gremlins for D&D, right? <laughs> All right, and on three. One, two, three. So, Andrew, we go through the portal, right? I feel like there's like flasks and beakers and Bunsen burners all over the place, bags and boxes of ingredients, as we find Brayden hunched over his newest concoction or invention. Uh, And we interrupt him and say, hey, Brayden, how are you doing? No, I'm doing great. In the middle of this concoction, as you said, doing some strange alchemy. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting us come into your realm here and discuss things with you. All right, so just to get things started, Brayden, the question I like to ask every guest that we've had during every discussion is, why did you start doing this in the first place? What was the actual problem you were trying to solve that irritated you so much that you would delve in to, I know, is probably countless of hours, days, weeks, months, even years of work? What was the problem? I haven't really been in the tabletop RPG space for very long. A few years ago, I was kind of like, what's this D&D thing all about? And I just kind of gathered a group of friends who are all like also tangentially interested in it. And we just got together and started playing. I did. I was the DM. I'm still the DM. Forever DM. And we had a blast. And we kept playing. Even though this is a long-term group of friends, our campaign was like super silly. But I found that despite the fact that it wasn't this super serious, lore-heavy, internally consistent world, right? It was still generating lore artifacts, which surprised me. And as a DM, of course, I want to keep track of all those things so I can refer back back to them later, use them in like story beats. I found myself wanting to make a consistent world out of this kind of silly, not serious campaign. So I was like, surely there is software out there that can help me do this. Because I was a software engineer. So of course, I'm like, oh yeah, software, right? So I scour the internet. And to my surprise, I don't find anything that I like. There's software out there that's clearly had a lot of love put in it, but like nothing that really like lit me up from like a creative perspective. It all felt like bookkeeping, like doing taxes, but for a fictional place, you know, world building and D&D and RPGs, all that stuff should be fun. And so the act of cataloging this fantastical stuff should be fun as well. And so at that point, I was like, well, I'm a software engineer, so I'll engineer up something for myself. Uh, And that was Legend Keeper. So was that the the lack of having that consistent world that you could refer to, was that just a you problem or was that a problem for all of your players too? So did you feel a need to have them be able to collaborate in this consistency or was it more just, oh, me as a DM, I need to be able to remember that the address of that house in, in Luskin is this so that when I refer to it later, I don't sound like a liar. It definitely started out as a me problem, just pure DM. And from the people I've talked to, that kind of seems to be the trend where a DM is managing the world, doing all the bookkeeping, doing all this like creative labor to, to keep a consistent setting. And I think a lot of the times players are just kind of along for the ride, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that said, As Legend Keeper developed more, it it originally wasn't a collaborative application at all. Um, It was just a DM note-taking tool. It was only later until I realized, man, like, wouldn't it be cool, though, to, like, invite my players to this? And so I added that in. Uh, Ironically, you know, my players don't really use it. Uh, But what I found was that there are a ton of people out there whose players do. I even talked to, so later on when Legend Keeper was released, I found that some people had players 
who owned the Legend Keeper and the DM actually had nothing to do with it, which is super interesting. Yeah, that's me. I had met you uh, not that long ago. You had so graciously uh, lended Andrew and I the ability to use the tool that you have. And I've done exactly that. We are running Icewind Dale. I'm recording all of my notes instead of on my iPad. I'm doing it in Legend Keeper. And it's interesting way to do things. And I will say, because the tool set is limited to its technology and not just a piece of paper or a whiteboard, it's more consistent just because of the formatting, just because of its tool settiness, if you will. Do you think that you've baked that in there on purpose or that a tool should bake that consistency and that standard in on purpose? Or do you think it's better for a tool to be more free form kind of like like procreate can you imagine doing dungeon notes on procreate it would be so much more wild and so many more options but harder to track that's a really great question and honestly it's one of the like core problems when it comes to like product design for this kind of stuff right the the mind is this creative infinite spring of awesome stuff right and wrangling it is hard and so i do think it is software's job to have an opinion on how you should do that but the magnitude of that opinion is what differentiates between tools or a piece of paper or you know microsoft OneNote or whatever right and so legend keeper does have an opinion about how you should do these kinds of things but we want it to be pretty loosely held uh, like even now, today, I'm working on an update that actually makes Legend Keeper even a little more freeform because yes, structure and consistency is great, but every DM is different. So you have to like account for both of those things. For example, the first prototype of Legend Keeper was very opinionated. You could have five types of things places, items, people, I think like abilities, and then miscellaneous because it's hard to model the world with those four things. So is Legend Keeper a wiki? That's a really awesome question as well. I do think at its core, Legend Keeper is a wiki, but I think that's like table stakes. When I think of wiki, I think of notion or fandom, of course. Like I think of this very particular format, I think a wiki is very generic. I think of Legend Keeper as it's part wiki. A part of it is a wiki, but I think the important part is when you are in the act of creating, the tool knows your end goal and actively helps you get there. So yes, Legend Keeper has wiki pages, but it also has you know maps you can pin and whiteboards you can draw. In the future, I would love Legend Keeper to have more optional creative tools, right? Like we always talk about like an AI writing assistant, right? That can read your wiki and be like, hey, you, this guy seems interesting. Like here's a, a couple paragraphs about him. What do, what do you think? Hmm. And you can be like, oh, that's cool. I'll integrate that, right? Or say like, oh, that's, that's a crazy idea. I hate it, right? That is, that's very interesting using AI to help build that creativity. I think that the nature of my question about whether it's a wiki or not is, in my mind, one of the big distinctions about a wiki and, and maybe what we've been talking about your tool being is wiki is more read than used as a note-taking tool. I wonder, is, is Legend Keeper self-serving? Like I am taking these notes for myself or is there an aspect of these uh, worlds that you're creating that is meant for to be read. It is available for, for me as the player to, to join. I've started the process of, of DMing a new campaign and I've thought, well, I wanna put this in, uh, in my own custom world. 
but what do the players know about this my own custom world? Because I want to do things really differently than than what has been done before. So there's not a whole lot of ground for somebody to stand on. And of course, they have characters that are in this world that are of this world that would know these things, but the players don't. I wonder if I could use Legend Keeper or some other world building tool as a way to inform my players of this is what you know about the world and leave it in a uh, as much breadth as possible. Does that, does that make sense? So like, it's not a note-taking tool. It's an informative tool for you to be able to better play. And it has to be a tool that's small that you can use because my wife will not tolerate a CSI board <laughs> on one wall in our house for any given adventure or campaign. Right. Or it, and it can't be a 300-page book. Right? Like, here is this world that you know about. Here is 300 page book. Start from the top and go. Producing and consuming dichotomy is really interesting for stuff like this. Uh, because to, to kind of connect this back to Legend Keeper's origin story, one of the reasons I didn't like so many of the tools out there was because the editing and creation experience was significantly worse and more boring than the, cons- the consumption experience. <laughs> I go back to like doing fantasy taxes, right? Like reading a well-formatted article that's like beautiful is super fun. Using the tool that does all that formatting is usually not. So one of the design goals for Legend Keeper in this case was like, why isn't the editing experience identical to the consuming experience? So in that regard, I think Legend Keeper really strives to be like 50-50 or like trying to remove the distinction between like reading and writing. And I think Legend Keeper's collaborative nature kind of lends, it, lends itself to that too. For example, you talk about establishing context for characters, uh, like player characters. Uh, we see DMs do this all the time where they're like, hey, I dropped your characters into my world. I put them on a whiteboard and drew lines to the things they know about or the things they care about or the places they live. Or I put them in this small town's folder. This is where they start. And if you filter by the name of this character as a tag, you'll get a list of articles that are like relevant. Things, there's all sorts of like interesting little things you can do to build that context. And it's something that, like you said, like a book or a pack of notes or whatever, like that's not quite as immersive and it's not as flexible. I challenge you here uh, that it's probably more flexible. I can buy a, eight packs of three by five cards and have so much recorded history and definition of all the different things and put them in all the different spots just the way that I want them. The problem is other people can't access that database unless they, they are me and know where all the things are hidden. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about a live, a living thing. And I, when you were talking earlier, I had this thought. There's a travel guide, which is a very curated book on going somewhere and learning about something very neat and interesting. Um, And then there's a travel blog, you know, 10 years ago, when people would, hey, I'm here, I'm doing this thing now. Now I'm there, I'm doing this thing now. Now I'm there, I'm doing this thing now. That is not a travel guide. It's not curated, but it's recorded in the process of doing the thing. You're trying to combine, or these tools are trying to combine both. Hmm. I want to be able to record the now as it's happening to me so that I can share it with those who it's relevant to later in a format that's consumable hmm. and curated enough to where it's not confusing, like my hundreds of 3 by 5 cards taped to the wall and in folders. 
Yeah, to complicate that even further, now we're, th- we're thinking of like one to N, DM to players. Now stack fully bi-directional collaborativeness on top of that, right? Now it's like, oh, also the players have an opinion now, or there's three DMs or five DMs or 10 DMs or a hundred. Westmarch's campaigns are a very interesting use case as well, where you've got this shared world and people are blogging about it, right? Creating this record, which is editorialized, right? Each DM probably has their perception of the world or each player's adding their notes or comments has their perception of the world. Does someone decide what's canon? Like how, how are things managed in this in this context it really is a challenging problem for sure yeah definitely more difficult than the small scrolls on the ground or scrawls on the ground like in dark souls because somebody was there but it doesn't affect you yeah and here it's like wait a minute this person stopped at this pub and killed this person at this day that totally affects what happens to my adventure yeah because i i needed to talk to them and now it's over yeah, so one of the one of the interesting challenges, right? Because you know, Legend Keeper is fully collaborative. I will say most people using it are using that kind of like DM to player relationship, right? But we have our goal set on what does managing a full fantasy subworld, you know, look like. You could ideate for hours on cool ways to do that, right? Like, oh, I take some notes, blah, blah, blah. I like highlight it and like send this to like an activity log. That's like, hey, everyone needs to know that this happened, right? And so new DMs or players come on and they read about it. They get caught up, right? But still someone has to like make those cliffs notes. So it's it's still like labor. Braden, you, you're talking about building a story as it goes. But what about a story that's already been built? And so I, I ran a campaign quite a while back. It was Out of the Abyss, Storm King's Thunder, Princes of the Apocalypse, and Curse of Strahd. And they were all running simultaneously with each other. But the adventuring party was the same. And they bounced between these spaces. And time went out. Time went on without them being present. Things evolved without them being present. Do you think this is the place where it would have been easier for a dungeon master in my position to be able to go and press start on Princes of the Apocalypse, Curse of Strahd, Out of the Abyss, Storm King's Thunder, and then time starts ticking as we advance in one. Now I bounce over to the other, and I can see that, oh no, the giants have taken over much of the Sword Coast because nobody was there to stop them. And then I bounce back to this space, and oh no, Strahd actually got the girl and married her. You know, um, so all the things, right? What are your thoughts there about stories that are already told, already designed, and have yet to be experienced by these players? Ooh, that's big and complicated. Yeah, at some point, I do think you start running up against the capacity of like the human mind, right? To manage all of these threads. So our, our number one requested feature is timelines. They want to be able to visualize time moving forward, exactly as you say. And we still like, we haven't dedicated a ton of time to cracking this problem quite yet, just because we have higher priority items on the board. But it, it's something we're really excited to tackle and to see if it's like even possible, quote unquote, solve. Because when you say like, you hit a button and time starts ticking immediately, me as a DM, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed already. Too much. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm out. Versus like, how much can software like realistically help you manage that sort of thing? Or it's, is it even necessary, right? Like I know some systems use like clocks where, oh, you set a, a clock for like six units of time or whatever, and you like slowly tick it down and then something happens when you do a clock. Is that enough, right? I, I don't know. I actually haven't played a game where like time pressure is like a huge like baked in mechanic. 
we're actually my group is running through princes of the princes of the apocalypse right now and so I, i've gotten to play a little bit with it in in the form of like oh this cult has like you were dabbling over here too long in this cult's fortress and now this cult is like gonna bring a devastation orb to yartar or whatever right people who do this for a living not dungeon masters who do this for fun but people who do this for a living like kevin feige mcu does this for all those things and is directing all of these producers and directors, dungeon masters, if you will, in the film world, yeah, to tell this story, but don't screw it up because you have to remember that this is connected to that and that's connected to that. And we have a whole bunch of people who will get really upset if the connections don't make sense. We're all okay with believing the ridiculous, the impossible, the magic, the superpowers, but, as long, but they have to be grounded in their own truth. Yeah, and I think tools like this solve that grounding things in their own truth, or like you said at the beginning, being consistent to themselves. Do you think Kevin and his team have an internal wiki that they use to keep track of the lore? I think they have something. That's my opinion. Honestly, my you know my go-getter startup mentality is always like, why doesn't Marvel have a Legend Keeper yet? <laughs> you know, that's one of like the mood board items you put on as like a startup founder, right? It's like, what are, what are like my goals? What am I really aiming for? And like Marvel having a Legend Keeper is definitely one of them. Would people want access to that wiki if there was one? Oh, yeah. It, so, so a big one, right? We talk about production and consumption, right? So immediately you can see the value of uh, an internal wiki or whatever, whatever tool you're using to help you keep consistent in your fantasy world, right? Whether it's Marvel, MCU, or a D&D campaign, or The Witcher, or, you know, whatever. It could even be like historical, like for a museum, who cares? There's immediate value in having that organizational tool. But now you layer a fandom, lower lowercase f fandom on top of that. And you're like, well, of course, the fans are going to want to get a peek into this. And so wouldn't it be cool, right, to maybe you don't want to expose your like in real internal reality because there's just too much good stuff in there, too many spoilers, right? But you could fork that reality and and curate it for fan consumption, even for even fan contribution, right? Maybe there are ways that fans can play in it too. And I think you've got something really, really amazing there. What if, let's take a, a book that everybody would know, Adventures of the Sword Coast. What if that book was a wiki instead? What if someone were to instead of buying the hardcover physical book or even sort of the digital linear version of it, like a PDF or even on D&D Beyond, what if instead of that, you bought a wiki instead? And instead of sort of reading through it linearly or even just sort of like looking at the table of contents and sort of trying to reference the, the place, you would just open up a map, yeah. click on the area that you want to know more about and then read more about it or open up a list of the races or the backgrounds that come from there and read more about them. Would people want that more than a book? Ultimately, my bet is yes. But I will, in defense of books, I do think books are wonderful. I think they are real in a way that digital things aren't. Digital things are real, but you, you know what I mean, right? It's, I can't touch it. So a book is, is beautiful. It smells good. Um, it's fun <laughs> to flip through the pages. Like seriously, I think this is all yeah. very important stuff when it comes to consumer behavior around you know modules. Like, I think that's a, a huge impact on things. But I think module content modules for RPGs especially are themselves nonlinear. They are a nonlinear format being crammed into a linear one, which I think has weaknesses. For example, I have a bunch of modules, right? Love, love modules. Um, do I 
enjoy reading them like cover to cover. No way. I use them as a reference material because they're too hard to follow because they're literally describing an entire world top to bottom, which is like, it's not, it's cool, but it's not immediately helpful uh, depending on your personal learning style and how you just think about things, right? So if you take that and break it out into all of these world, I, I kind of refer to them as artifacts, right? People, places, things, items, legends, monsters, explode them out into <laughs> real hypertext, like the internet, make them easily accessible and searchable. I think that's something that's incredibly handy. And I, I personally, obviously I like it. I made, I made a thing that does that, so. <laughs> I was talking about this the other day the book reading experience is not to be ignored. Yeah. Like you were talking about the smell of it, opening it up, cracking the spine and looking at the images, perusing it. It is not to be ignored. In fact, I would bet money that the majority of books that are purchased in the TTRPG space are read and not played. And therefore, the thing that people are really buying is that moment where they get to read that cool book and imagine themselves playing it rather than actually being able to play it. I think there's this really interesting dichotomy of you buy a book to imagine yourself playing it, but you use the digital version of that content in order to actually play the game. Perusing a wiki is not always the same sort of experience that you get from reading a book, but referencing a book during a game is not the same experience that you get looking at the digital tools. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, though I will say, I would bet money that there are people buying hordes of things on DMs Guild, right? And also never play those. But I think that core concept still holds true. You're not going to beat the experience, at least in one dimension, right? You're not going to beat the experience of going to the comic book store and bringing home the hot new module. That's so fun and it's real and it feels good. But like you said, in regards to immediate random access usefulness, I think that an application or a website or whatever will actually help you a lot more like in the moment. But if you're just reading stuff, right? Even if you're just reading PDFs you got from DMs Guild or reading a module you got from the store, yes, maybe you aren't ever gonna play it, but I guarantee you that it influences your creative toolbox. Oh, you're like, oh, this is a cool plot hook. I'm gonna like keep this in mind mm. for later. Or like, yeah. oh, this item's great. Like it becomes this kind of a la carte experience where you're building your DMs toolkit, whether you realize it or not. I would probably also say too, maybe we should categorize the type of content not by whether it's physical versus digital, because there are digital books that still have the same similar problem. But maybe we need to categorize it by a linearly presented book yeah. and a networked digital copy of it. Maybe that's the two categories where PDFs, which are traditionally just like books in that they are linear and meant to be read, put them in that category. And then there is this sort of website or application presentation of digital content Maybe that's the better distinction of it. I think that us as RPGers, I'm not intending to insult anybody, but I think we're a bunch of laggards when it comes to technology. That said, we're getting to the point where the Western world is very accepting of the fact that they will never own a piece of music again or a movie again. They will just consume it and have rights to it on the internet somewhere. And then you were all talking about books and Braden, you had mentioned the smell, the purchase, and the, it's sitting in the passenger seat as you drive home and you're all excited about reading it. Those books, we shouldn't make this mistake. Those books are marketed for that experience. Totally 
if they were only there to do their job of serving you the information, they would not be hardbound, beautiful, awesome art, the right font, all those things. So take away all that stuff and now compare it to a wiki. It doesn't even hold a candle to a wiki at this point. Now it's just like crappily served information versus well-served information. Take away the book experience. So that's an interesting of books experiment too. The marketing of RPG books has grown since the original black and white Dungeons and Dragons box and what was nothing more than a, a mimeograph printing. I think what you're talking about, Pat, is something we, we actually had this conversation with Wolfgang uh, not too long ago. It's a nostalgic experience, buying a book, reading through it, getting excited about potentially buying. That's a nostalgic experience that we all relate to because we've had those so many times in our lives. I know that I have spent hours on a couch with just surrounded by D&D books because I was so excited to play those. I, I never actually played all of those things that I read, right? But I played them in my imagination. The thing, there's this, this principle in pride management and UI design that nostalgia is familiarity and familiarity is not usability they are related but they're not the exact same just because you are familiar with it or it is a nostalgic experience does not mean that it is the best way to deliver that content or that functionality faster horses or a car exactly yeah i keep going back to that and thinking you know will one day you'll have this sort of nostalgic experience reading a wiki <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally like the, the future is, you know, something we can't even conceive of yet. So I'm, I'm going to go full sci-fi on you guys. But like, yeah, in the future, when we're just plugging knowledge chips into our like personal neural drives or whatever, <laughs> I do think people will be like, oh, man, do you guys remember reading? That was crazy, right? It's so wild. Obviously, you know, maybe maybe a bit of a hyperbole, but totally. I, I definitely think so. One thing that you all had talked about earlier, and I was noodling on it as you were discussing the experience of a non-player or a non-DM or a voyeur, if you will, of a story by watching this, for lack of a better term, wiki grow based on the player's experience reminded me of a game that I played a long time ago called Myst. And Myst unveiled itself by reading the pages from the two brothers as you tried to figure out the puzzle of what was going on. So you played in the now, but then you watched the unveiling that was happening there. Is there a space, just a really cool idea, that fans can get into, I don't know, let's say uh, Travis or Marisha's wiki and see what's going on and watch their session notes and get to see not what they've acted or play acted, but also get to see their back thoughts like, I think this person's really wrong. I need to follow up on that later. And then watch excitedly the next season, the next uh, episode if they actually do follow up. Uh, I, I just think there's a neat thing there. Uh, to, it's almost like the travel blog. It's like, go left. Go left. Please go left. You said you were going to go left last week. Oh, you didn't go left. Why didn't you go left? A word we use a lot is progressive revelation. We think progressive revelation is a key difference between something like Legend Keeper and a like traditional wiki. Traditional wikis have roles and you can even like hide pages for certain roles. But something like D&D, &D, a campaign setting or a, a world for a live stream, right, has this concept where there are expected consumers, right, whether they're players or people watching a stream or whatever, where you you slowly reveal new stuff 
And so there needs to be like first class tools around the act of revelation, which is something that like traditional wikis, I think, don't really have. It's like, I'm going to change your role from member A to member B. That's not fun. It's got to be like explosion. Oh, the secret was revealed. Behold. (laughs) And it like drops a pin on the map and like. Add, like does all this cool stuff right like that that experience of progressive revelation which is like something that a dm does at the table uh is super fun and the software needs to capture that experience i am a hundred percent behind you on this i just want to take one step back off the table and say why can't we have progressive revelation for the dungeon master 2 andrew and i have had these neat conversations with a couple of our engineers who are like i like to be surprised too but I'm always the dungeon master, so I'm never surprised. But because of digital tools, we could, oh, what's behind door number one? And they get surprised too, but because the digital tool is so easy to use, they're not so surprised that they can't run the thing. There, there's a lot of reasons why world building in the context of RPG campaigns is fun. But I think one of one big reason is exactly what you're talking about. DMs like to be surprised. So what they'll do, this is what I do, is I'll drop a pin on a map. I don't know what that pin's for. I'm going to put unknown or like come up with some just random sequence of fantasy proper nouns. And now that place is a mystery to me too. The creative side of my brain hasn't revealed what it is yet. And when it is finally revealed, I'll get some sense of that satisfaction, which is to bring it back to like the AI stuff. I think an AI that's like your creative assistant that like knows your wiki in and out could serve that role too and be like, hey, what about this though? So fun. That's really interesting. So you're you're essentially talking about dropping a pin during a game and then saying like, something's going to happen here. I don't know what it is yet. Not prepping it, but you're just like, something's going to happen here. I can already feel the sort of anxiety that some might have like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have X amount of time to come up with what that thing is. But then that AI comes in to save the day and says like, you haven't thought of a thing yet, but here it is. Brayden, do you play on Legend Keeper? I don't play live on Legend Keeper, no. Personally, I am very much a index card DM. But what I do do is go to Legend Keeper afterwards and like kind of sort through my thoughts, right? When it comes to live play, that's not personally the way I use Legend Keeper, but a ton of people do use it at the table, yeah. When you talk about an AI swooping in to save the day, for me, right, since I don't use, I generally don't use digital tools at the table, the, the, the most complicated I get is like the notepad on my computer where I just like chaotically write down notes that I then later convert into like world artifacts, right? But you you talk about an AI swooping in, in my experience, right? Even at the table, you know, doing that at the table, being like, oh, something's gonna happen here and I don't know what it is yet. My improv brain becomes that AI, whether I want it to or not. My improv brain and that anxiety and that stress comes in and like saves the day. And sometimes it's it doesn't work out, but sometimes like some of the most fun sessions I've run have been like, oh, something's gonna happen on this riverboat don't know what it is, it's going to really pop off. And in that moment, fun stuff happens, right? Especially if you run a game where players are also like co-creators. We don't play a game where I'm I'm like the single authority on everything that's happening in the world. The players will also like pitch ideas, right? Mm. And so we can kind of like improv off of each other. So you you don't reference Legend Keeper during a game? Uh, sometimes I do. Like I'll have it up in a tab. And if I'm like, okay, what was this? But I'm like a super heavy improv DM. And so for me, Legend Keeper is kind of this background like structure saver. Record keeping. It keeps my legends. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you don't reference it because your brain doesn't need it? 
Or do you think you don't reference it because it's just not important at that time? Let me define. There are some folks, I'm pointing to myself, I get so caught up in the moment that I will literally forget that Jar Axel is sitting in the bar across the street. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be something very important to the storyline. So I have to have my legend keeper or legend keeper or something saying big picture jar i literally on my ipad right jar axel really big because i'll forget so to me those are super important a different way the tool set like this can be used for me again is so i was an artist there was a time my art teachers taught me to capture gesture drawings so when you're walking around and you have your notepad with you and you see something that just inspires you. Get it. Get it quick because you might need it later in the studio. Well, for me now, being a a game master a lot, I have to get it quick because I might need it in the studio. And the best place to get it quick is in a place where it's all together and can be tied together. I'm currently building out this Avernus adventure. It's just going to be different than the book. But I need to keep it in the same place so I can make the ties, else then it loses, as you said before, its consistency. If I was just to let it rumble in my head, and if I don't get it down somewhere, it'll be gone into the ether forever. Because I don't have the capacity, like you do, to remember that Jar Axel's in the bar next door while we're doing some gambling thing. Well, I think it's very dependent on the style of like the players at the table, the party's expectations, the style of campaign. So like I said, this particular campaign is a lot of just like shenanigans, comedy, silliness. We like retcon things often just because, you know, I think of something funnier, right? Or, or something like that, right? Where that live, like really deep consistency isn't as important. I think a comedy world should still have internal consistency because that consistency draws investment from the people participating in it. But for example, I say I don't actively heavily use Legend Keeper at the game table because we're just an improv heavy group and the campaign doesn't demand like a very a super strong attention to detail versus if I was running like something a little more serious, right? Some, you know, a murder mystery or something with political intrigue where the things that come out of my mouth are really important and the way they fork the timeline is something that like shan't be messed with. Like I would want to be like, okay, let me like open up the search box and be like, okay, what was the last thing that the chancellor said to, you know, so-and-so, right? This is actually like important. I think it's very much dependent on your style of play too. Agreed. I like the idea that world building is actually two completely different use cases. One is for prep, I need to prepare for this thing, what is going to happen. And I want to know like what the world is that I'm in. And then the second is note taking. Like, I need to track the things that we are doing and how that it's happening. I think that's an interesting way to think about how you go about building a world. That goes into your consuming versus, what did you say? Uh, Producing or creating. One of my favorite insights uh, about being a DM is from the Lazy Dungeon Master Guide, uh, where Sly Fleur says, it's not so much being prepared that's important, it's feeling like you're prepared. And I think digital tools really help with that. Because when you feel like you're prepared, you are more relaxed, you are you know, more flexible. And I think you have better outcomes. And so when you think about something like Legend Keeper, that's like you're being prepared. When you're taking down your world notes after a session or during a session or before, like honestly, whenever, right? And building out these things or or going to your town map and being like, I don't know what the players are going to do today, but I'm going to drop a pen here. And I'm going to be like, there's a monster somewhere in this area. 
uh, and I'm gonna drop a pin over here and be like, someone in this tavern's upset. And then I'm gonna drop a pin here. There's some kind of commotion with the guards here. And you just literally write those things. The way you feel going in your campaign with those, what, a grand total of six sentences and kind of their general geographic location, that's incredibly empowering as a DM. And that's one of the things that like really lit me up about the lazy GM's guide. Cause it's like, it's not really lazy at all. Like that's like a great way of doing things. Yeah, it's it's more resourceful than lazy. Yeah, I I have read Sly's book. Uh, I own Sly's book. One thing you brought up that your product does that all of these products need to do is location, 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 location. So I served twenty years in the military, and location is by and far one of the most important pieces of information you have to have for yourself for your friends, and for the bad guys. If you don't have location, you have literally lost. And when you sit there and look at a book, and I was talking to Wolfgang about this our last uh, episode, when you have a book and you're reading the book and you constantly are flipping back to the front where the map is so you know where these places are, it helps you in your mind to give it a positional attribute, which is very important to us as human beings. So when we are playing these games and discussing the, the nuances of my new campaign in Avernus or my current campaign that I'm playing in, Icewind Dale, if I don't know where Sunblight is, it makes less sense to me. Theater of the Mind is great, but Theater of the Mind combat is different than Theater of the Mind. I have no clue where the hell I am relative to the rest of the world. Yeah, orientation becomes so important. You talk about tools at the table, digital or otherwise, you know, obviously a map. Now you're situated, your X, Y dimensions are situated or you draw a timeline. Now you're situated in time. Like I kind of view those things, at least for me personally, my brain is not the best at those. You know, I'm a theater kid at heart. And so what I really like to do and what I'm like, good at you know maybe my players might disagree who knows is like being a character in a moment in time but which moment in time i would prefer something else handle that for me or where this where the last place this character was i'm i don't really want to remember that can something just tell me that's the kind of stuff that i like to see because that's just logistics right that's right so it's dr 1493 on flame the 23rd of flame rule and you are in the troll inn in water deep and Scene. Exactly. Right? And go. Right? And then your then your improv kicks in. You do that thing. But just having those couple bullets, and then you could add the, the next layer of bullet that says, and this character is angry. You have a lot of information all of a sudden that you can share with your players that they're going to run into in the timeline, in the space, and emotion. Win, 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 and win. And that's what Sly talks about in his book. So it's interesting. That is if you know when that is and what that what happens in that time period, right? You have no information if those those things didn't mean anything to you. So you really, I mean, you do need to have some context so that you can build off of that. And how do you get that? I, I think you're exactly right, Braden. I want to be able to be in this moment, but I can't because I don't know what that moment is in, in geographical location and time. Not just because I don't know what the number is or the Latin long of it, but I just don't know what's happening around me. I don't know what this age is that I'm in. I've got to search through it and just give it a little bit of 
information of like, it'd be great to take that year that you mentioned, Pat, and just be like, what are the notable things that happened this year? Right. <laughs> yeah, like imagine taking that number. You know, I, I keep talking about AI just because I think AI is really interesting. Legend Keeper doesn't have any AI stuff in it yet. But <laughs> being able to like ask those questions, I talk about like the GM's assistant being like, okay, 1592 or whatever. Being able to just straight up ask that question to this application or or a person sitting next to you who's like your co-GM, who's like the lore master. I never want to kind of lock these solutions to software because I think insights come from everywhere, right? But just being able to say like, okay, what, yeah, what, what was the most important thing that happened? And even better, like if you're in a moment, if you are a character, does my character even care? Maybe, maybe it heavily impacts them, right? Maybe there's some sort of economic factor that's like stressing them out and they're going to act a different way. Just knowing, you know, yeah, like what's what's the zeitgeist that the, the the slice of the zeitgeist that my character cares about, and like what was the last thing that happened to them? Even that is such a great seed for like building great story and interactions. Hundred percent. And when I'm run, when I'm in this Icewind Dale, I keep referring to it because I literally have it up on my computer while we're talking to you, so I can reference the tool set that you have. I have a category of pages called sessions. And when I handwrite my sessions, Andrew can attest to this because we played on Wednesday. He's like, so many gaps <laughs> because I I like to partake in the in the ale while we game, <laughs> and my handwriting gets really bad. But when I type my sessions. Not so much, right? That I actually capture the things I need to capture. So I love the fact as a player, having the ability to capture sessions, I would love even more to be able to share portions of my captures with my other players so that they would have a roll up of party information so that we could then collaborate on larger story pieces. Pat, next time we come to somebody else's workshop, <laughs> let's not bring your desktop. Let's bring maybe the laptop. I mean, we've really taken up a lot of his space here. Hey man, we can make it, it can be a LAN party, that's fine. Right, <laughs> right. Get my desktop out too. Right, dog on it, why not? Well, we've probably taken up quite a bit of your time and space. I really appreciate talking with you, Brayden. Thank you very much. Yeah, this has been super fun. I appreciate you letting us into your laboratory, or as Dexter would say, laboratory. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. You can follow Brayden Herndon on Twitter at AdventureBeard. You can find Legend Keeper online at AdventureKeeper.com. Special thanks to Gabriel Gonzalez from InspiredBar.com for providing our theme music and to Lee Smithson for the intro voiceover. For updates from the show, you can follow AC Searles on Twitter. 